All right, let's give it up for Mike Harris. Look at all these mics I got. All right, what's up, everyone? Pickles? pickles? I, I, I will say I miss the pickles, but it smells a hell of a lot like pickles in here right now. So. My nickname was Pickle when I was growing up, actually, which is kind of coincidence. But, um, Wow, look at that. It's weird. Um, so uh, my name is Mike Harris. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Worksighted. Uh, today I want to share with you really just some ideas and concepts that I've kind of come to understand um, really along our own growth journey. Um, I'm going to kind of crop dust some of these concepts for you because there's really a lot to it. Um, and my, my hope is that uh, when you leave today, you just have a little bit bigger view maybe of how some of these different pieces fit together um, and how maybe um, they could be implemented inside your company. Um, and we can't get into them in a ton of depth, but I hope that during questions and things like that, I can, I can help field some of those. Um, so I meet with a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm big into entrepreneurship and helping people start things. Um, and I was meeting with an entrepreneur just the other day. We were sitting in my office, and he's laying out his strategy, this business he wants to start, right? He's got pro formas. He's got business plans, marketing strategies, market data, the yin-yang and all this. And we're sitting there going through it, and he looks at me, and he says, Mike, how does this compare to like what you had when, when you started Worksighted? I looked at him, and I was like, I didn't have any of this shit, actually. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I just wanted to start, and I started. I see a lot of people, and I meet with a lot of entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs, that they're, like, lost in the textbook. And I think this is something that, like, we learn young, and the world teaches us a little bit. Um, and it, we, it's really hard to unlearn it later in life, right? And he was lost in the textbook. Um, you can never have enough information. You can never consult enough experts. I can never have enough charts and enough assurance, right? And what's sad about that is that, you know, I looked at him, and I knew in my heart he was never going to do it, even though he probably should have done it five months ago, right? He should have talked less and done more. And I looked at him, and I thought, what's sad about this is that you trade. There's this, this risk. He builds the wall of fear, right? And they stand at the wall of fear, and they can't go through it because it's this vulnerability conversation of like, I can't control what's gonna happen on the other side of this, right? Like, I can't control the outcomes, so I'm not gonna take that risk. Like, I'm, I don't wanna risk failure, right? But the problem is he doesn't understand that he's making a trade, right? You're making a trade. You're risking trading failure, right, for regret. And the problem with that is that regret Failure, failure hurts once, regrets the gift that keeps on giving, right? And uh, you're never going to have it all figured out, right? You're never going to get this all figured out. I started my company at 21 years old. Uh, 21 years old. We're a tech-based company, so my background, I have degrees in math and computer science. I have never taken a business class in my life, never in high school, never in college, never later in life, which is funny because I do get uh, asked, we just were at one yesterday, um, to go into business schools and talk entrepreneurship and all these things. And I think somebody needs to tell the parents that um, I feel kind of bad, like, you're paying for this tuition and they're bringing in me and I'm not really qualified for this, but that's okay. So, um, 
but we were, you know, your typical startup story, right? So generously funded by MasterCard, um, started the company in uh, the basement of my co-founder's parents' house, right? We were the, I was the marketing department at that time, too, so people ask, like, why is your corporate color orange? And I said, well, it matched the color of the carpet in the basement, so that seemed like a good decision at the time. Um, but I went through all the challenges that many of you, and I don't know all your backgrounds in here, but that many of you are going through or thinking about going through or living in now where it's like, how do I get those first customers, right? Like the challenge of how do I convince a bank to finance me when I'm unfinanceable, right? Like um, what about the pain of having to figure out how to hire those first couple employees when it's like, oh, I'm giving up my paycheck for that, right? I've lived that. Fast forward 19 years to today, right? We just celebrated our eighth consecutive year on Inc.'s list of the fastest growing companies in America. We're a national best and brightest company to work for. And every day I get up and I go to work and it's the biggest damn company that I've ever ran, right? And I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> Secret, right? Secrets out. Um, I still don't really know exactly what I'm doing. It's, those challenges never go away. So if there's one thing that I can encourage everyone in this room to, 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 to walk out of here with is like, you'll never have it all figured out, okay? But the journey is really fun. And it never gets less fun, right? It, it really only gets more fun. I think back to why, why did I start, right? Why did I start? What's my North Star? Um, I knew I wanted to start a company at 21 years old. It was less about tech. Tech was more like what I was trained to do, so it was like something I gave somebody to pay me to do. Um, but I knew I wanted to start a company. And for me, that came from really a unique experience I had as a child. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur, and my mom and dad gave me a great gift that I just never understood at the time. They, he was building a software company in the 80s and 90s, so this is like not something that, you know, we're used to that today, but at the time, that was, that was a very different thing. And I spent a ton of time at the company living life as a child, riding my bike, right? They didn't leave me home and go do the things they needed to do. Like, we did it together. And I got to listen to these conversations, right? And I got to live inside the soul of a company that was growing and changing and competing. But they also never missed my games. And they also made sure my friends were around. I never had a babysitter. They had a vision for life where work and life were like intimately intertwined, okay? They wanted to build that and that's how they wanted life to look, right? And that's what they set out to do. For me, that's kind of my North Star, right, is I think I'm working to get back to that place. I want to get back to the place where um, work and life are just like intimately intertwined. And that's kind of my North Star that really drives me. How many of you talk about work-life balance with your employees? Yeah? Talk about it? We talk about work-life balance, right? So here's the thing about work-life balance. It's bunk, okay? <laughs> it, it doesn't exist, right? work-life balance implies that they exist outside of each other. And I can take them and put them on a scale and take a little bit out of one and put it in the other and like they're gonna balance. Well, I have never met anyone and I'm gonna venture to guess that the people in this room are included where your work wasn't contained inside the sphere that is your life, right? Your work exists to expand and enhance your life. That's fulfillment, okay? Think about that word for a minute, fulfillment. It's fulfilling. When my work has meaning, when my work has purpose, 
my life expands to accommodate, right? And in that process, we impact the world. I think in your description for this event, Mike, didn't it say like what? Wisdom for the expedition of management or some BS like that? <laughs> Dear, <laughs> you're damn right you are. <laughs> and everyone's gonna know why in a minute. Um, I lost my train of thought now. Um, oh yeah, okay, so, um, so expedition. I love this word, right? I love the word expedition. What do we need when we go on an expedition? Like there's two things that are super critical, right? Like we need a North Star that everybody calibrates to. We have to have that to go on an expedition. And we need people to go with us, right? Everything else is like you're making it up and you're guessing, right? Like you don't know what tools you need to bring. You don't know exactly who needs to be there or when they need to be there. You don't know if the place totally exists, right? Hell, you don't even know if everyone's gonna survive, right, to get there. You just, you don't know. So how do you get people to come along on an expedition, on a journey into the unknown when you don't even know if they're going to make it there? Purpose, right? You have to have clarity of purpose. You have to understand why it is that you exist. People no longer work for a job. They work for a cause, okay? They want to work for a company that impacts the world in a way that they believe in and are passionate about. People go on an expedition, right, because they believe in the cause of the expedition. There are no guarantees. That's the only reason they go. Nineteen sixty-one. What was happening in 1961? Moon, right? 1961, JFK walks into the NASA headquarters and he sees a guy sweeping the floor, right? Maybe some of you have heard this. And he looks at the guy sweeping the floor and he says, what do you do? And he says, well, I'm putting a man on the moon. Purpose, right? When your work has meaning, when your work has purpose, right, it's fulfilling. It expands our life. His task may have been to sweep the floor, but he understood what his work was about, right? He understood his purpose. This is the biggest missed opportunity in business today. People will look at me and you will roll your eyes and you will say to me, Mike, this is some leadership BS bunk that like, you can't have purposes, we make screws, Mike. I don't care. Not only do you need to have a purpose, if you don't have one, you're gonna get smoked. Because that is absolutely exactly the direction that the world is going. You don't have to have a huge purpose. You don't have to have a grandiose purpose. I can give you a list of 100 really small purposes with really enormous impacts. But you need to know what your purpose is. Think for a minute. How many of you remember 
years ago, before Apple was as popular as they are today. I know it's like another friggin' Apple example in a, in a talk, right? <laughs> years ago, before Apple was as popular as they are today, when I was younger, there were those people who loved Apple, right? And you'd be driving down the road, and there'd be a lot of traffic, and it'd be busy, and somebody like pull up next to you, they need to get in, and you're kind of like pissed off, right? Like, oh, I don't want to let you in. Like, I'm, you got to get behind me. And then you look up, and he's got that white Apple sticker in his back windshield, right? You know what I'm talking about? You know that guy? He passed you on the highway, right? And you see that, you see that, you see that white Apple sticker in the back windshield. What happens? You're like, I'm an Apple guy. Shit, I know all about you, right? Like, I know who you are. That sticker tells you something very clear about that person. It tells you a lot about what they believe, what they value, right? The brand speaks on their behalf, and trust is transitive, right? You're like, well, I trust Apple. I'm like, I'm aligned to that brand, so like, you must not be so bad. So instantly, you're like, yeah, buddy, like, come on, let me just back up traffic so you can like pull in here, right? Right? Purpose gives work meaning. Alignment makes work fun, okay? The same principle works inside your company. Believe me, don't believe me. I'm telling you stuff I've experienced firsthand. The same principle, as I just described going down the highway with the Apple sticker, works right inside your own company, right? When you have clarity of purpose, and you're very clear to the world what you believe and what your impact is, your employees understand, right? It aligns to what they believe and how they want to impact the world. When you have clarity of purpose and you get up on Saturday morning and you go to the coffee shop and you walk in and you see your employees sitting there, what are they wearing? They're wearing your friggin' t-shirt, right? They're wearing your t-shirt on Saturday when they could be wearing anything they want because your brand says something to the world, right? about what they believe and what they're passionate about. It is exactly the same process. It works exactly the same. And what happens, who, who does that person hang out with, right? People that think like they do, right? So your employee, who's aligned to your brand, right, and speaking clearly to the world that like, I'm aligned to you know, Joe's Screw Company because I believe in the way that they impact the world, well, they hang out with other people that like believe similar things, see the world the way they do, right? Have common value systems. Well, trust is transitive, right? So what happens? Talent attraction, okay? This is talent attraction of the future that very few companies understand. When you have clarity of purpose and clarity of brand, right? This allows you to pull people along, right? So now all of a sudden, we're off on this journey, like we have this North Star, right? I figured out how to get people to show up, right? The people that want to be there, that want to go on this journey with me. And we're moving, up the, we're moving up the mountain, right? We're starting to scale. We're moving to altitude. What happens during that process? Process takes over, right? Better, faster, cheaper, more efficient, right? We're more scaling up the mountain. And that's normal and good, right? You have to have efficiency. You have to have reliable quality. You have to have reliable results. You need to be able to do this stuff in your sleep, right? Like, we've been working together forever. Like, I, I, could, I, I know exactly what you're gonna do before you do it. Like, I'm in lockstep with you. What happens when you hit the crevasse that 
you weren't ready for, okay? Process can't prepare you for discontinuities, right? So you're climbing the mountain, you get to a point, there's a gap, right? You guys, you've been doing things a certain way, okay? This is typical behavior I see with entrepreneurs and leaders is like, you begin to only be able to see that things can be done the way you know to do them, right? All of a sudden we get to a gap. What needs to happen when we get to a gap where we didn't know to expect for this, it's different than our processes allow for, what has to happen? It starts with an I. I heard it, I heard it. Bam, we have to innovate, okay? Well, I got news for you. Culture bridges gaps that process cannot. When you hit a gap and you have to innovate to get through it in your business, right? You're gonna, as you grow and you go on your journey, you cannot plan for everything. When you hit those gaps and it's time to innovate, what has to happen? One, whatever the hell it is that you're going towards better be worth the risk of scaling this gap that we're, as we're climbing the mountain in some way that we have never had to do before as a team, right? It better be worth it, okay? Second thing, you better trust the people that you're about to do this with because you've never done it before and the consequences could be not so good for us, right? So we have to believe in what's on the other side and we have to have trust. Innovation happens only through risk and risk happens only through trust. Let's talk about trust for a minute. Trust is probably the number one growth limiting thing that I see inside any company, my own included. Trust is tough, right? If we've done these things, right, and we're moving along, right, we're bridging gaps and we're going up the mountain. When you take someone on your team and you fail to trust them, okay? I'm not talking about reasons when there's reasons and all this. I'm saying when you just don't want to do it, right? For your own reasons, maybe because you can't imagine they could do it better than you or you know, you've always done it this way or whatever. But when you look at somebody on your team and you fail to trust them, you like put them in prison, okay? And you stare at them. I always like to use this analogy. When you borrow your friend's car, how do you drive it? Safe, right? You drive it safe, like you use your turn signal, like all this stuff, right? Safer than you drive your car. Well, they do the same thing. So your car that you love, that you wanna keep safe and nobody can do better than you is actually safer when you let them drive it, right? Like you just said that and you just explained it to me. Super basic, but it's super hard to do. When we fail to trust, we lock people in prison and we, we, we put ourselves in there too, right? Because when we actually enable trust and we let people go do these things, we, we let them out, right? Like we let them go do their greatest work, right? But the best part is like you free yourself. If you're the leader and you can't give any of this stuff up and you can't go trust somebody, I got news for you. Like you're gonna 
at some point, right? Like you can't keep scaling if you're going to do that. When we have alignment on purpose built on top of a foundation of trust, we put ourselves in a position where even in the most mundane business, you can dramatically outperform what other companies are doing. Now you're going to look at me and you're going to say, well, like, that sounds great. And, but like, how do I go into my company and all of a sudden like, this is our purpose. I'm not telling you this is easy, but the fact of the matter is that when it comes to purpose, You can't go into your company and get everyone together and be like, let's come up with our purpose. Purpose doesn't come from, purpose doesn't flow from the people. It doesn't follow from your people. The people follow the purpose, okay? So when you begin to do this, when you begin to really make, have absolute clarity about where you're going and what you believe as a company, and these alignment effects start to happen and, and they, they're gonna naturally come along and it's not just gonna be like one blink of an eye, it's gonna be an iterative process that's gonna happen. Your purpose is not going to be for everybody, but it will be for somebody, okay? That is the absolute critical thing you need to understand. And it's a process, it's an iterative process, right? That begins to take hold over time. And as you do that, you have absolute clarity on purpose, built on top of a foundation of trust, right? That is what allows companies in mundane industries to outperform, right? You could list off tons of them, companies that sell shoes and things that you're like, everybody does that, right? But why are they so much better? Why do they outperform? Why does everyone want to work there, right? Thank you. <laughs>